Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Social media is raising people to have an ideology of what marriage looks like, and they've never even seen it modeled in their own homes. And they're, and they're hearing it from people that don't even have it for themselves. It's people that have these podcasts that's telling you, well, you got to have this soft life. You have to have this. And you look at these people. They're not even married. They, uh, they haven't even been in, in a, uh, haven't seen a healthy marriage. They haven't even had a healthy relationship. Not even, like, and then you're being trained and brainwashed by people that don't know a thing about marriage. They're not going to the Bible for it. They, not, they have no accountability to the word of God. So it's, if we do our due diligence as believers, when we see this crazy toxicity in these social media streets that we need to take those weapons of warfare that are not carnal, then we start pulling down those strongholds and start warring in the spirit. Love is a treasure chest, but once opened, our hearts become vulnerable. I, I went back to Vegas. It was the sky. He appeared as a friend. Sure enough, it led to infidelity. Alignment can't be ignored. We talked about certain topics as far as having kids. She didn't want to have kids. Um, and that was one of the red flags. And I know you desire marriage. So I think it's best you move on with your life. What you do, hold on, Lisa, what you do? I told him, okay. <laughs> she didn't ask me why. <laughs> I knew several other women's bodies better than I knew my own. I've, I watched their videos of them having sex, so I would try to imitate that. No discussion is off limits. Dear Future Wifey Podcast brings healing. You inspire us to try God a little bit more. Up through this platform, I realized that it's possible. It's possible to love again. The conversations have really helped me to change my perspective on relationships. Season 7 is all about tough topics. I'm Lateris R. Winfield, and welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. So it's amazing to be here. Uh, give it up for the, the visionary of the house, Pastor Warren Campbell. When I say I absolutely love this brother, I absolutely love this brother. Well, let me go ahead and get back to the script. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. Listen, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, can we get a commitment? Hit that subscription button and subscribe. Make sure you turn on your notification bell so you can be notified about upcoming episodes. Uh, we are going to deep dive into this subject matter. Today's episode is titled, what's the title? Thankful for Love. How many of y'all are thankful for love? You know, the first thing we think about is romantic love, but the Bible speaks about eight types of love. And we're going to deep dive into what it means to be thankful for love. As we just celebrate uh, celebrated Thanksgiving, um, these holidays can be a little triggering to some people who have lost loved ones uh, as they're uh, grieving the loss of that loved one, that family member no longer sitting around that dinner table. Um, and so we want to just inject joy into your life and, and hopefulness 
and uh, restoration. Uh, so y'all give it up for this amazing group of panelists that we've assembled today. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start from the back and I'm allow them to introduce themselves and share something briefly about themselves. Starting with you, Shantae. So I'm Shantae Atkins and um, I love Jesus. I am the sister of Erica and Warren, pastors here. And um, I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to share, but I have lots of loving relationships with lots of people that I'm really excited about. I sing, I write, I'm an educator as well. I do lots of things and I'm happy to be here. Good, 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 good. Jarrell. Praise the Lord, everybody. I heard the panelists, but I didn't hear the room. Praise the Lord, everybody, huh? This is the three o'clock. This is the after, afterglow service. Amen. We've eaten and we're feeling good. Amen. My name is Jarrell Quinn. Um, you know, think it, think it not strange that this chair is empty beside me. Because uh, uh, I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why is this? You know, I'm looking at a couple over there and a couple over here. And I said, why is this? He said, son, that's a prophetic chair. Huh? You might see it empty, but I see her. I say, dear future wife, in fact, come closer, baby. I want you close to me tonight. So uh, uh, as an act of faith, amen, we believe in God. There it is. Um, I'm an actor. I'm a singer. Uh, I'm a writer. And um, I was saying earlier, you know, I'm a closed book for the most part. You know, a lot of people say, hey, ask me anything. I'm an open book. I'm not. Don't, don't inquire as to anything that I have going on. You know, I'll tell you what I want you to know. But uh, I also know that, you know, careful, help, Lord, help. I'm a shut, closed up book, locked tight, chains, huh? Take the shackles off. But there comes a time where you have to say yes. And so I know it is none other than the hand of God that had me say yes. I think we've been talking about to, this for two yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Two years, I've been trying to get him on the podcast. It's like, I'm not gonna tell. You no, like no, asking no. people all these personal questions. I'm not yeah. coming over there and tell them, telling all my business. Nah. Oh, but with the pastor call. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a little I, different. I said yes. So uh, yeah, I'm here and happy to be here. Here we go. These are some seasoned saints right here. Yeah, so, so uh, I love it when I can sit at the feet of wisdom. And so I want y'all to introduce yourselves for the people that may not know who y'all are. Hello, my name is Sandra Campbell, and I am the, uh, <laughs> I, I am the wife of Warren Sr. and the mother of Pastor Warren and Joy, and I am happy to be here, happy to be in this space, uh, and I am grateful for love. Yes, yes. Yes. Hallelujah, everybody. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. You know how I am. All right. I am Warren Campbell, Sr., overseer here up at California Worship Center, proud father of Warren Campbell II, and um, other daughter, Erica Campbell, just grateful to God for just being here for this platform and this forum. I believe that we got some things to share to you tonight. So open your ears, open your hearts, and receive. Good, good. And the visionaries and the shepherds of this house, the Campbells. I am Erica Campbell, singer, mom, wife, his girlfriend, 22 years. Um, love who God has allowed me uh, to be 
uh, all of it that has got me to where I am now. Um, I love the subject of love. I'm so thankful for it. I've, I've been blessed to have it in so many areas of my life, uh, my relationship and my family with my bajillion sisters and you know, growing up in church, there's always been a lot of love. Uh, and as much as love as there has been, there was always a lot of questions. So I'm grateful to be here, um, to be able to ask healthy questions, have healthy conversations. Uh, and uh, yeah, I talk a lot, but I'm not gonna talk a lot tonight, babe, okay? <laughs> well, I might. It's a podcast. You yeah, talk. Yeah, talk. See, it's okay tonight. All right, okay, that's, that's who I am. <laughs> Why you have your own radio show? <laughs> My name is OG Triple OG Pastor Campbell. Come on. Hey. <laughs> All right, here we go. No, I'm Warren Campbell, um, and I love Jesus Christ. Amen. I am the husband of one wife, Erica Campbell, and the father of three children, Krista. Warren the third and Zaya Campbell and the proud pastor of the California Worship Center. Shantae, when you hear thankful for love, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Um, I'm thankful for a lot of different types of love, a lot of different types of loving relationships. Like you said at the beginning, a lot of times people think romantic love, but I have a very strong and loving relationship with my siblings. And one of the things that I like really realized is that a lot of people don't have strong relationships with siblings. They don't have any relationship. They don't talk to them. They don't do any of those things. And um, my relationship with my sisters and my siblings is something that I really value, that I really treasure, um, and that I'm super grateful for. And so immediately my mind went to that, like my relationship with my sisters, and I'm super grateful to have that. And my brother. Just kidding. Yeah. Of course that. Yes. Let me ask y'all, the seasoned saints, when you hear thankful for love, y'all been married how many years? 48 years. 48 years. When I say I can't wait to unpack the wisdom that you've gained in all these years, uh, I spoke to her at the very beginning. She was like, well, I don't know. We was just, we was just doing life and learning along the way. And that's what God wants us to be, is where we can just learn along the way and give each other grace to learn along the way. And so, how are you thankful for love? Mama Campbell. Wow, that's a, um, a loaded question. Because so many things come to mind. Um, it's just not one area. The multitude of spaces that I can think of of course I think of my family, of course I think of my husband because he's actually the epitome of love. And I didn't know that. Hold on, hold on. You said he's the epitome of love. Yes. Unpack that, please. I, I knew that he loved me and I, 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 I knew it with all my heart, but I didn't know the depth of his love until I got sick. I was in the hospital for three months. I was very, very sick. I was at the brink of death. And when I didn't even have uh, the energy, I won't say the mindset, because I always have the mindset to pray, but when I didn't have the energy, he, he 
filled me. He was, he was my breath. He was my, he was my air. When I couldn't find air, he was my air. He was my air. And he was there every single day without fail, without fail. I could not take one step. My son got me out of the house. It took them four hours to get, how many hours, two? Two hours to get me downstairs? About an hour or so to get me just downstairs. And so I saw him come to the hospital every day and talk to the doctors. And whatever they were giving me, he would go home and look it up. He would research it. And he'll come back and say, Doc, do you think this is good for her? And why? And so he did so much. I had a, I had a chest tube. And, and my chest tube had bubbles in it. And he had read about it. And he came back and told the doctors, I don't think those bubbles are supposed to be in that chest. You better talk about it. So, I know this man loves me, right? But the issue is, you can know somebody love you, but you don't really know until you go through something how they feel. You know, hard locks, a bump in the road, you don't know until people react. And his reaction was amazing. Forty-eight years. We take vows. Everybody stand uh, on that at the altar, and they say those vows: for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, through sickness and in health. You'll be amazed by how many people I've spoken to whose spouses left them in the hospital because they were. Uh, struggling with cancer. They just said, I can't, I can't sit there and watch you go through this, so they leave. Yeah. I have an episode coming up, um, this coming up Tuesday, with this blind woman. Um, I shot it last week in Bermuda, and her husband, as she lost her final vision, she was losing her sight uh, throughout the years, and they were married for 24 years, and after she lost 100% of her sight, her husband left her with five kids. Blind, five kids, she had no job, he was the breadwinner, he was taking care of everything, left her. And so when I hear stuff like this, it, it, it really hits to the core of my heart because we say these vows, but we really don't mean it. Some of us really don't mean it. And so when you see those vows played out, I remember um, my buddy Love McPherson, she, uh, it was a reel that she shared, she said, men, find a woman that's willing to change your diapers. Find you a woman willing to change your diapers. Because oftentimes we're looking for superficial things in these women, but you need somebody. The Bible says charm is deceptive and beauty doesn't last, but a woman who reverences God is greatly to be praised. That's what you want. You want somebody that's greatly to be praised because they reverence God, they honor God. So King, I salute you for being a man of mighty valor that stood in the gap and covered your wife the way that God covers the church. I salute you, King, because we need more examples of you for the younger generation to know that marriage ain't always easy, but those vows that you take, you take it truly to heart. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you this, um, because I was talking to Joy earlier, and she said that even in her dating journeys, um, she, when she finds men that 
you know, I, I was never raised with my father. They use that as an excuse not to show up in the way they should show up as, as men or as husbands. Um, what would you speak on that? How did you learn the gravity of what not only masculinity looks like, but what husbandhood looks like? The word husband, the Greek etymology of husband means householder, one who keeps his house together. And so you are the epitome of what a householder is. Where did you learn that from, man of God? Well, I attribute everything, of course, to God. At our lowest ebb, at diminished capacity, whatever words, I, other words I could describe about our, ment our mental state or our capabilities, I think about when I was growing up. Uh, my mother and father, they split up somewhere around before I was 10 years old. He left and went to New York, but he was always in my life. And he, he said this simple thing to me, um, and I picture it now, where he was standing on the curb because my mother and she always got her sisters to join in. That He was this ogre and, you know, he's, you know, you ain't coming to the house. They had their, their shoes in their hand ready to, you know, that he wasn't going to hit a woman. But he said, rather than deal with all this, he stood on the curb. And he knelt down to me and he said, son, you don't understand this right now. But one of these days you're going to understand what's going on. But I want you to know this. I am always going to be here for you. I want back then. Y'all don't know about pay phones. But he said, and officers that will help you make a call. He said, I want you to be able to go to the firehouse or the police department and put that, that dime in the, into the, the, the phone and call me. You'll always have my number. You'll always be able to reach me. And he was a man of his word. And I was, I was sharing with my brother here that from 3,000 miles away, my mother couldn't control me. When I left the house in the morning, she had no, no idea what was going east, west, north, south, up or down. I, I went wherever the wind blows. I was supposed to go to school. If I wound up there, thank God. <laughs> but more times than not, I did because that's where everybody was. But there was no telling. But my father, he could control me through a letter and a phone call. Are you doing right? Yes, sir. Now, granted, years have gone by where he wasn't physically in front of me, but that's the whole, and this is, a, this is a teaching moment, the role of a father being able to control a son by words, by your, your very presence through the atmosphere, the, the, the waves, or the whatever. But... What I experienced growing up in the household that I grew up in, I, I, can, I called it hell because that's what was going on at any given moment. Uh, somebody's trying to cut somebody and, and you was doing this and fussing and fighting. So this is pre-Tookie and the, the Crips and the Bloods. I, the Lord blessed me to get out of South Central Los Angeles right before that happened. And this was all God because if my father had stepped in and pulled me out of Los Angeles, I would have wound up, I'm born and raised in South Central Los Angeles. And I was right there. Me and my boys was hanging out at South Park. And, you know, a lot of crazy things was just starting to happen there. But what I was witnessing, and this, this is what I want you to understand. Children, I don't know about this generation, and, and I'm, I'm saying this with caution. Our generation, we watched. I looked around and I saw families around me that had mother, father, my best friend, his father was a pastor of a church. And whenever I would go to his house, his mother was right there. Warren, are you hungry? How are you doing today, Warren? And I'm looking like, 
Now, what I just left at, the, at my house was, you know, if you don't come back here with that pack of cigarettes and, and just tell them I give you give me some beer. And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm a kid. You know, just a lot of negative and derogatory things. And I would stop at my best friend's house who lived two or three doors down. And I walked in there and it was almost as, as if I would hear that. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so I walked through the door. No, all that going on. What I purposed in my head right then and there, I said, when I grow up, I want this. And I never let go of that. So fast forward to I was uh, high school age, getting ready to graduate high school in my last year. My father plucked me out of Los Angeles. Thank God he did because I was just getting ready to act a complete total fool. And he educated me on how to be a man. I call it the one-year boot camp. He taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to be a man of God. He taught me how to be a praying man. He taught me how to take care of a woman. He taught me, first of all, he made a statement that took me a while to figure out. He said, never try to outthink a woman. She's down the street waiting for you while you're sitting there scratching your head. <laughs> it took me about six months to a year in our, early in marriage where I realized, okay, I'm in a hole and and she's standing there like this looking down. I said, I tried to yell at you and tell you there's a hole right there. You're just, you're just content to walk in it. But to answer your question very simply is that I looked around and I saw the positives. It's, they're there. And I wanted that. And I must have it. And as I grew and I decided I want to be married and the woman that I find, I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to watch over her. I'm going to nurture her. And, and I may be getting ahead of some of the things you're going to ask, but I, I got to say it while it's in my mind. God sent me to protect her. I told, I told her this, I don't know, some years ago. I said, I finally come to grips with, you know, a lot of the things I do. I said, I'm your protector. I'm the person that no matter what, I'm going to be here. And the days when she was in the hospital, what she didn't tell you that, they had to kick me out the hospital. I slept in the room, I think, for three weeks. And, you know, I was just in the chair there, went and took showers and slept right back down and bugged the nurses and the doctors and all that. But when they finally told me you can't stay here, I want to tell you the journeys home was, it had been better if they just locked me up or did something. You know, I, I could, on the 405, trying to come home on the other side of the hill. And when I got home and I realized, and this is where men, I tell men, you don't miss the water till the well one is dry type of thing. Where I would, I started putting pillows on the other side to where, well, at least it's not her, but, you know, okay, something here, you know. Because I'm like reaching, you know, I got to slap something here. And you wear me out. You wear <laughs> Jesus. Lord, send me a wife for Christmas. <laughs> Please, Jesus, for Christmas. Uh, Everything is possible, God. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful to God. And over the years, I've listened to my peers, my age and you know, some older, especially the ones that have been married one, two, three, six, seven times. And I'd ask them, what? I, I don't get it. What are you doing? Well, you know, the last one did this and this one didn't do that. And, and I said, OK, but I said, you realize at the end of the day, they're all the same. So what do you mean? I said, they are a woman. <laughs> Period. The rest, okay, and one finally admitted to me, said, you know, now that you bring it up, the first one was actually pretty good. <laughs> Too late now, brother. I said, so I trust the woman that God gave me. And I made up in my mind, and uh, 
long time ago when she walked up on me and I, when I came to, out to Los Angeles and my, my father demanded that I go to this church, King's Chapel Apostolic Church. Up there. And I said, all right, Dan, I'll, I'll go, I'll go. She walks through the crowd of young ladies as they were, and ladies, and can, can I say this to you ladies that, you know, don't. They had me so intimidated. I, I was standing there and they're all looking and Pete, all, y'all, you know, you bunch together, you're poking and p- looking and pointing. And I'm turning to the side, is my pants unzipped? And I got a rip somewhere. Up through the crowd walks Sandra Gray, walks up to me, grabs my hand and said, God bless you. So glad you came to church today. My name is Sandra Gray. And my mouth dropped open. I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And you know what I did next is she turned. She knew what she was doing. She turned and walked away. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I preface this by saying I wasn't saved then. So, you know, I was, oh, yes. And I, I, I wish they had, that they had the picture there. It was, it was her and, and I standing on the grounds at the time. And I tell her over and over and over and over. Matter of fact, what, 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 did, uh, what did I tell you almost every day and I'm looking in your direction? Your dad done took over my podcast. He just... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here watching their show. Let's just. And when, I, when, I, when I'm staring at you, I, I'll be staring at you. Well, what you looking at? I said, I'm looking at you, my queen. <laughs> In our house, right as you come through, the, 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 out, you come out of the garage, there's a big picture of her back where I found her as a beautiful, gorgeous, like she is now, high school girl, because we got married, I was 20, she was 18. Yes, I plucked her out of high school. Yes, I showed up with my Air Force uniform on with a brand new car. And all of her lady friends were like, she got a man. So, you know, I, that ruined it. So the guys that were there, they're high school kids. They're a grown man with my, with my stripes, dress blue uniform. You know how to do it, son, you know. <laughs> but in this picture, I see it every day, and there are days when she don't see it, I just kiss it like that's my baby. But here's something that where things don't change, and, and sometimes I think she just thinks I'm saying it to be saying it. I said, that's what I see every time I see it. I don't care if you think that you look like this or you look like that. I wish I could lose a few pounds, but so could I. I don't look at that. I look at my queen that I married. This is what I have. This is who you are, and this is what you always be to me. That's good. That's good. Lord, thank you. Yeah, like a mom. Yes, sir. Woo! I asked for them. I asked. I'm learning. I'm taking notes, pops. I'm taking notes. Good Lord, Jesus. Warren and Erica. Forget my other question. I'm going to go back here. When you see this kind of love... How does it inspire you to be a better man? And how does it inspire you to be a better wife, Erica? (laughs) You know, um, my dad just said, told you how old he was when they got married. He was 20, my mom was 18. And then I was born on my mother's 19th birthday. 
And so I said that to say I, 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 I grew up with my parents. And everything that they went through, I was old enough to understand what was going on. Our family went through some really, really tough stuff. Tough, tough stuff. I mean, you wouldn't believe. But to see them 48 years later, still there. I mean, they had several reasons to say, you know, we're not doing this no more. You know, it was, it was that hard. Uh, and so what I gleaned and learned from my father is this idea that I have to be a man and honor what I said when I stood before the preacher and said, for better or for worse, sickness and health, richer for poor. And what I, what I come up with is there will be times and things that happen and stuff that I don't like about you. But love says, I choose, I choose, I choose. See, love is, y'all, y'all, talking about you know I don't I'm not in love do you choose love I choose to stay here I choose that right now I, I ask another question do do you like them because we love people we don't even like I got family members I love but they can't get me on the phone <laughs> I, they, I, I love them to death I'm not, I may not answer that phone because I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I can deal with them today. What I've seen my parents grow through, they didn't just go through stuff. They grew through stuff. And I saw them learn from mistakes. I mean, like, I, I was old enough to see it. And I said, you know what? And I tell my father all the time, if I can just be 10% of the man that you are, just, just give me 10. If I can do that, then I know I'll be all right. And, you know, the Bible talks about training up a child in the way he should go. Why, why is that important? Because the, 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 the because of that says when he's old, he won't depart. Doesn't mean he won't depart at all. It says when he's old, there's, I departed quite a bit, you know. <laughs> but it was when I'm old and I'm grappling and wrestling with life and what I'm supposed to do and how do I treat this woman and I go back to what I was trained and what I saw in my house and and the reason why you see these tears because you know I'm thinking about myself and how, how I am with my wife and and the kids that I have and you know just how our, our life and it just mirrors the, the 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 house I grew up in you understand what I'm saying and and I just thought man if if, that, if I turned out like this, if my life turned out like this, maybe my kids, yeah. they have a shot. Yeah. My son has a shot. Listen, I, when he was, I have mantras for my son. I've been doing this since he was born, since he yeah. could talk. I'll say, what kind of man are you? He'll say, a godly man. Yeah. I said, what else? He'll say, I'm a Campbell man. I said, what else? He'll go, I'm a black man. <laughs> Now he'll say, I'm a Holy Ghost field man, you know. I will walk with my son in the neighborhood. He was three years old. <laughs> this is funny. I said, we were doing the mantra one day. I said, say this, say, I will not. He said, I will not. I said, no, I said, say, I'll never, I'll never cheat on my wife. He said, cheat on my wife. I will have him say that all the time, right? He's three years old. He went to school, to preschool, and he came home one day and said, Dad, I didn't cheat on my wife today. 
<laughs> I still don't know who he was talking about. But, you know, just, just growing up in my home, I had a great, great childhood. A, man, a storybook childhood. We didn't have everything. We didn't, we, we didn't have nothing, actually. Yeah, but, they, but, they were sharing that earlier about the biggest obstacles, finances, and we're going to talk about that. Listen, we didn't have, but it, it, it just solidifies the fact that money don't mean rich. The fact that I, my dad, I had my father to talk to. I had my mother right there. I had my little sister. We had a, a family. We prayed together. We could talk about anything. This is, that's, that's rich. That's wealth, actually. Um, and I just want to salute you, mother and father. Thank you guys so much for that. Erica. What do you gain when you're blessed to have a front row seat to people who love each other? It shows you what is possible. And if you watch close enough, you get a little bit of the how-to. Not only was I, am I blessed to watch them just be and exist, um, my, my aunt and uncle, who are my absolute faiths, my uncle went on to be with the Lord, watching them hold on and love each other, watching them go through tough stuff, watching them endure. And even my mom and dad, who, you know, were married three times. One, at the end of my father's life, my father said, you know why I kept coming back? Because my family is what I wanted. He said, I couldn't get that thing right. He said, maybe me and your mom didn't figure out how to communicate, but I kept coming back because this is what I wanted. I have seen over and over again a commitment to love. I have seen when my dad would be gone, but he would come back and my mom would never make an announcement. If he was gone, he would be gone and he would come back and she'd be like, hey, we're gonna make dad a play. You know, when we were little, we didn't know. We were just like, yes, daddy's home. Is he making spaghetti? Like, we didn't know. We were just happy he was back. She never, she never gave us that, you know, and then when I, I think in my 20s, I felt like she should tell us and we should have known everything that was going on, but it would have damaged how I saw love. It wasn't none of my business. He wasn't married to me. And I remember when God gave me that I was about 16 years old and it was, you know, another season. And I realized that I love my mom and I love my dad and I could not do anything about their relationship. And as long as you my dad and as long as you my mom, I'm cool. And I'm going to let y'all work out y'all love thing because that ain't none of my business. I remember my relationship shifting with them uh, in a way. But to see her, she, my mom will say she got graveyard love. I'm just telling all your business. I'm a, you're saying remember she I got said, graveyard love. Remember I said love. I should have put on the, uh, yeah, right. yeah, I should have had her up on the panel. Right. But that's what I saw my whole life was people hold on and people fight. There was this couple, Elder Johnny and Sheila Thompson, that I grew up watching. They was the cutest, most in love couple my whole life. Now, a lot of church people, the deacons and the sit over here and the ladies sit over. You don't see many couples, but I saw couples uh, flirt with each other. I saw public affection. I saw them talk about each other. My, my uncle would say, if God made anything better than sex, he left it in heaven. You know, <laughs> he said it over the pulpit on a regular basis. Um, my aunt would call him his chocolate drop. So there was always this, this little, the fun, that, the, like the cutesy part 
of love that holds it together. So when it gets tough, you remember that there's a sweetness, there's something special, there's a spark, there's a fire that we have, that even though it's tough, I'm not gonna forget that. Even though the problem seems really, really big, I can't ignore that we've had some great moments. And so watching that my whole life taught me how to hold on. Like if I give up, how do we ever get to forever? If I, if I walk away. If I give up, how do I ever get to forever? And I, and I, I say that because it, this, it's, it may seem a little cheesy, but I felt like my life wouldn't work right without Warren. Mm. It ain't cheesy. When we went, you know, when we, I was like, birthdays, Thanksgiving, more music, my friend, who am I gonna, it's, it's only supposed to be you, like. These kids are yours. I don't want, I don't want to introduce nobody. I want them to be with you. I want them to wake up and come in here and jump in our bed. This is what I want. And I may want to sleep all the way on the edge and you all the way on that edge, but we still both in the bed. You know what I mean? And I, 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 we, we, we have agreed that we're on the same team. And you know you have team players that don't like each other. Sometimes the team is beefing. You know, but you're on the same team and everybody's playing a different position. And I can't get mad at you because your position don't look like mine. I may not even understand your position. I wasn't trained for your position. I don't have knowledge of your position. I know we on the team. You know what I mean? So I may, I may want him to be a certain thing, but I got to trust. First of all, if I trust that God said he was mine, he defined it. If I trust that, if I trust that he is the man of this house, then I got to trust him. Right. And so that's what I that's what I saw. I didn't see many wives be like, well, what are you doing? He says this to you. Well, he's your husband. I need to be all right. Well, if I have to do that, what does he have to do? I remember mom telling me we had just got married. I, maybe two, three years in, he hates when I tell this story. So I was like, man, I could leave this house for six months. And he'd be like, something different around here. <laughs> so seems strange. That's how, you know, because he was in the studio. He was producing and he would come home and play the video game. We know how to be husband and wife. And it was wise women around me that said, baby, y'all trying to figure it out. You don't know and he don't know. Girls, we just have a more fantastical idea. We didn't play it out. We played out the whole first three years of the whole marriage. Every holiday, you know what I'm saying? And when they don't cooperate, you just don't love me. He wasn't in the provision. He, didn't, he didn't, wasn't in the plan to meet. For the, you did that on your own. So seeing, having people that would give me wisdom, no, that's too much. You do okay, just take a deep breath. Okay, just go back home because I would get in the car and drive and be like, I am out of here. And then be <laughs> like, okay. After you finish driving at the beach and I go back home. Now I'll go back home, you know. And he would ask me what was wrong and I would say nothing. And then you know how we do. What's wrong? Nothing. You know, but we would figure it out. But I was still there. I still went back home. You know what I mean? I she would still... be drive we would be driving in the car. This is why I knew something was wrong. Because I'm driving but she is breaking her neck not to look this way. She's only looking out that window. And I'd be like, you know, you're going to get a crook in your neck. Jarrell, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, Jarrell, we're going to act like we're on the Terrell show. All right. And um, I'm going to say... Two words. I'm watching Thankful. the podcast. First of all, I've been watching the podcast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good for both yes, of us. Yes. So thankful yes. and love. I want you, I'm going to give you five seconds to come up with a song with the word thankful or the word love in it. Y'all count. Five, 
for love. So many things I've got to tell you, but I'm afraid I don't know how. Earlier I did. Lord, I'm thankful for my blessings of everything that you gave. Times and danger was around me. My life, Lord, you say. I think I did good. Lord, I've been thankful. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So, Jarrell, as a single man, yeah. as a bachelor, um, are you optimistic? Are you optimistic that you're... <laughs> Are you optimistic that God will fill that seat with the woman that is that you have connection with, that you have compatibility with, that you can form a covenant with? Do you believe that God is still God to grant you that woman that you so desire? One thousand percent unequivocally. I have faith for it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in the past, even though there have been times because like, you know, with the, with the world of social media and seeing so much and in taking so much and just trying to digest everything in, sometimes the chances seem so slim because you see so much of what you don't want. You see so many examples of how not to be. Uh, a lot of times we see couples and without knowing their backstory, we say, I want something like that. But we don't know after that picture, we don't know if they hate each other or not. We don't know if there's peace in the home. We don't even know if they live in the same home. So when we say, I think I want that, and then you get let down because their humanity shows, then you lose hope for you. But you never should have considered that goals in the first place. So the reason that I'm hopeful, the reason that I'm thankful is because I too have had a chance to see what it's really like. My parents, my dad transitioned, he's in heaven now, in 2020. And my parents were married over 30 years. So growing up in the home, seeing that, you, 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 can't, you can't help but to want something that you grew up from a baby seeing because that's what the standard is. That's what life is. So as I am continuing on the journey of discovering and discovering myself as well, because I always say it always seems like the relationship and the marriage is the goal. And once you've reached that, I've achieved life. And that's not the case. As we've heard, it's still a journey. You grow together. You grow together in it. So as I'm growing, I'm making sure that I'm OK first because I don't want to bring half of me to a relationship. I want to be a whole man of God for the whole marriage. So I pray for my wife even now. I pray she's somewhere being whole. Whole, I spelled that whole with an L at the end. I, I hope, I, I, I pray she's not somewhere taping her phone to the ceiling. And, and you, you know, the, the, the challenges and, you know what I'm saying? Do that later. We can do that later. I'll do the tape challenge with you. But I'm trying to work on, <laughs> I'm trying to work on becoming whole so that I can be who I'm supposed to be in the relationship. That's good. That's good. Shantae, how do you feel in these dating streets? Well, Let me ask you this. Do you date? 
Yes. She said, okay. she said that, yes. Um, am I, yeah, all right. I think otherwise. Um, I am hopeful sometimes and sometimes I'm not. Talk about okay? it. Okay, so I know scriptures, I know all these things, right? But in regards to relationships, I know that relationships have to do with people's choice. So we have God's divine order and what he wants, right? But then we have a choice. So I've dealt with a lot of rejection, right? By choice sometimes. And with that, sometimes I look at Uncle Warren and Untop like, oh my God, this relationship that they have or this marriage that they have is so beautiful. Do people like that still exist? Are there people who really look at 1 Corinthians 13 and say, okay, patient, love is patient, love is kind, love does not keep record of wrong. Do people really embody that? Do people really want to embody that? You know what I'm saying? And I grew up um, not feeling like I would ever get married. And I don't, y'all probably didn't know that, but I never, I wasn't the type that like, oh, I have this dream of this beautiful wedding. Oh my God. It, I didn't have that. I literally never saw myself in a wedding. I never saw myself with children. I never had dreams of it. I never had visions of it ever. So for me, it wasn't like something that I thought was going to be a part of my life. Um, in addition to that, I also had a lot of fear of marriage because I saw a lot of things, right? And so I was very, I like to be very honest about how I'm feeling because I don't like people to be uh, unclear about how I feel about something, right? So I try to be real direct in my dealings. And so with this, dealing with, you know, my own situation of rejection and then dealing with the fear and then dealing with the fact that people have these choices to make. I say like, oh my God, even if there is a person who does embody 1 Corinthians 13, right? Are they going to do that for me? You know what I'm saying? Because people have choices. You could be dating somebody and they choose somebody else. You have to be okay with that. You know what I'm saying? But how does that make you feel? And so um, I have a therapist. I love therapy. And so with my therapist, <laughs> I have been really processing how certain situations and circumstances make me feel and learning how to be vulnerable. It's not easy. I can be very vulnerable about certain emotions. I can be very vulnerable about those things. So with that, I had to learn even in dating, what does vulnerability look like? How does it sound like? Like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to be? I don't know. I had a bunch of sisters growing up. We didn't have a bunch of men. So I didn't even know, like, how do I even communicate with you? Oh, I can't tell you to shut up. That's disrespectful. Oh, my bad. I didn't know. You know, like... <laughs> You know what I mean? And I'm going to say this. I probably shouldn't. I'm going to say it anyway. Like, I remember the first boyfriend I ever had. I was like 21 years old. So I didn't date uh, until I was 21. Okay? By choice. Um, because I wanted to get my degree. So when I started dating, um, I told the guy, I was like, hey, like, you need to grow some balls. Right? I didn't think anything was wrong with that. I didn't. I'm dead serious. Because in my mind, I say it. I say it. I'm serious. I say it like I feel it. But I can't do that. Why would anybody want to 1 Corinthians 13 you and you ask them that question, Shantae? You can't do that. So I have to say, oh. She said, why would anybody want to 1 Corinthians 13 you? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a bird. You feel me? So my thing is like, yes, I see that. It's beautiful. And I was actually talking to them the other day. Like, can you guys pray for me? These people out here are crazy. It's dookie in the dating pool, okay? And so... Can I say that? Yeah. All right. So I said it. There it is. Um, so here's the thing. 
It really is. And I feel like the reason it is like that is because people are not honest. I've, I've found that people are not honest in relationships. Like if they don't like to, for example, if I'm dating, I don't know, John John. And I'm like, you know what, John John, you keep doing this particular thing. John John, I don't like this, right? I'll say that, right? People are like, oh my God, Chante, you shouldn't say that. It's so mean. Oh my God, you shouldn't do that, right? But they'll deal with John John doing all that thing that they don't like and then they'll go somewhere else. In my mind, if I don't like something, I'm finna tell you. Now, now, right, because we got to become better, I got to learn how to be meek, okay? That's Erica's gift, all right. I got to learn how to be meek, got to be gentle, got to learn how to talk to them the right way because they're not my sisters. Yeah, this is not your homeboy. This is not the, you know, okay? So you to them a certain way. Uh, these are things that I had to learn. These are things that I had to learn. And then I asked myself, um, are you ready? Because with the fear that I had of marriage, I always had a fear that I would leave. Or you seen that movie? Hold on, you had a fear that you would leave? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So your fear was not the man leaving you, it's you leaving him. Both of us. Both of y'all just leave each other? Oh, yeah. Like, we'll just leave. We, we out of here. Because you're getting on my nerves. So I'm serious, but, and that's why Warren said something earlier. He said, um, he was like, you know, I love you, but do I like you? You know what I mean? And I feel like I like to be entertained. We're going out on dates. We're, you know what I'm saying? You're stimulating my mind through conversation. You're doing all these things that I like. But if you do things that I don't like, then what? Am I going to find somebody else who, who I, who, to give my attention to? Am I going to find somebody else who grabs my attention? And my thought is to tell me, you have the attention span of a gnat. Of a gnat. Mm -hmm. And so things... Was that true? Very true. Yeah. You just have be honest. And so it was. And so I had to learn that, hey, you got to be able to focus right here on this one person. If they're getting on your nerves, you can't just leave mentally. So where are you at after therapy? Where are you at now? Oh, I'm in therapy still. No, it's, it's ongoing. So this is therapy talk right now. This is, this is years of therapy talk. I need, a, I need a lot of help in my mind. So, but here's the thing. Are you ready? <laughs> I do. Are you ready for marriage now? I believe I'm more ready now than I've ever been. So if he showed up in your life right now, would you run him off or do you think you will pull him closer? Uh, that, that's really good. Okay. Um, I feel like there would be a battle, if I'm being honest, but I feel like I will pull closer if I know that it's God. If I believe that it's God. And by, by God, I don't mean like, oh, I see this knight in shining armor going to come. But I mean, do you have these qualities that I'm reading about in the Bible? Because the qualities that I'm looking for in a husband is what scripture says, not what the world dictates or what social media dictates. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So what is it? I believe it's Ephesians 5 or whatever. Um, I read that and I started looking at, okay, God, what do you say a husband's supposed to look like? If this person comes and they have these particular things and I like them and I'm not fearing that I'm going to leave because you're going to get on my nerves or bore me to death, you know what I mean? What am I going to do? He said, bore me to death. Yeah, it's a thing. I, I, I try to ask God, okay, what am I going to do? Or what area do I need to grow in? And I feel like if we spend more time self-reflecting about how we may be, you know what I mean? And not so much the other person, the other person, the other person, the other person. They could be ready and you could not. But sometimes we don't, we're not honest about that. You know? So we... Go ahead. You want to jump in? Yeah, I just want to jump in for a second. She's talking about, um, um, you know, meeting somebody and what if you don't um, get alone or what if something happens or what if. But when you are in love... Because love covers a, a multitude, multitude of sin. Yes, love covers. So um, don't have that fear of 
um, getting bored or not liking what they say, because you're always gonna not like something that they say. That's just life. You know, I love him, but some of the things that he say, and vice versa, some of the things I say, he look at me like, where'd you get that from? <laughs> what? You know, but that's, that's a, a minor, minor, minor thing. So what we don't want to do is major in the minors and minor in the majors. Hey, can I add a little something? 48 years. You say you're going to say something? Yeah. You're yeah. going to say something or you're going to say a monologue? You're going to say a story? <laughs> Well, full storm. Watch uh, it. I'm going to send you that. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, can we stop weaponizing God? Ooh. 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 Did that sink in somewhere? A lot of times we put so much on God. I can see God. He's busy eating a sandwich. He goes, what? what? We are putting a lot on it. Let me, can I help the brothers that are here? Try to help brothers understand there's a lot being put on us, yes. There's a lot. I know the buttons to push on this woman that absolutely nobody can but woo. And that's for good and bad. That's for <laughs> macaroni. <laughs> but she said it a second ago that love you know, covers a multitude of sins. We love and like each other. And there's things that she is tolerated with me, and, and I know, and, and we can be so weird sometimes, brothers, to where, I, and my son, I think he, he puts up with me sometimes because the older I get, I, I have this bad habit. For those of you that know me quite well, please help me out and pray for me. Thank you, Joy, as you're looking at me because I know I do this to you a lot. You're talking to me, and if I think I know where you're going, I'll cut you off in a, in a New York minute. Okay, and the word is left, and because I write, because you know. Well, she's put up with that for quite some time, and I can tell now when she's quiet. And then I said, uh, see, I'll just wait for you to stop talking. Are you done? Do I get to get a word in edgewise? And, you know, so here we go. No, Pops, I want you to go back to what you're about to say. You said sometimes we weaponize God. I'm getting to that. Okay. <laughs> I'm, He's I'm teaching. Sorry. I'm sorry. Paint the picture. Uh, I don't get out much. No. <laughs> No, because, ladies, you can have a bad habit of throwing God in a pot where God didn't intend to go. Okay, he made man the way he made it. We're, we're simple creatures. We are. You're the complicated ones. No, and I'm saying that in a good way. I need her complicated because, as I told you, my father said, don't try to outthink them because they're already down there and they're waiting for you. Come on. Come on, Cletus. This way. So... I learned that to where it's, it's for my help, my benefit. But if we try to put everything on God, oh, God's supposed to send me this kind of man, and he's right in front of you. He's going to talk like this. He just said it. He's going to dress like this. Well, take him shopping. You know, so uh, trust me. I told somebody the other day, whatever you see me wearing, right here, right there, right there. Otherwise, oh, I look so crazy. And I know who to deal with. So what I say about weaponizing God, stop putting God in this box that he didn't create or put himself in. We're doing it. You've walked past the perfect man. He, he that finds the wife, he's right there. I mean, he's got Sherlock Holmes, Watson, and everybody else with him. And you're like, no, uh-uh, hey, you know, this ain't God. 
Well, God was nowhere in the picture because he already gave you what to say. He gave you what to do. And you just went the opposite direction. And you're putting his name on, you're stamping his name on somewhere that he didn't stamp. He didn't, there's no paper there. He didn't put it down. So if you would, please stop doing that. And so when the gentleman shows up and he meets the criteria, walk in it. Like, yeah, take it. There he is. Let me ask you this, Pops. Did you wait for God's quote-unquote confirmation before you knew that this was your wife? Because I want to know that we complicated over the years where we're putting God, like you said, in boxes. Yeah, you know, we'd be like, well, God, because back then it seems like it was so much simpler. So were you like, I'm going to pray and ask God if this is my wife? Or did you, like you said, look at her, she walked off, looked at her backside and said, this is who I want? Well, <laughs> well once that was over, See, visually, and I tell her this all the time, and that big picture at the house is those pretty brown eyes. That's what got me. I saw that before. I, oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's the first thing I always see. I look in her eyes. The rest is gravy. It's great. So, you know, okay, that's great. So. Uh, Did you look for God's confirmation? He got yeah, lost in the eyes. He got lost in eyes again. He got lost in her eyes. I'm drowning in the eyes. But when I said that growing up, what I told you, I wanted this. I wanted that happy home. I wanted to be a good husband and father. And I had my dad to show me what a dad was like. So, yes, I want to be this. And he schooled me. I'm getting that, dear. Because you know I'm taking about. The confirmation was very simple. He did that for me when I was a child. He said, this is what you want, Warren. Okay. So fast forwards to like eight, well, when I finally met you, you know, 18, 19 years old, and I wasn't going to let her go. When she made that introduction, it snapped her. That's it. Wow. That's what I want right there. She you had, because think about right. it. You met other women before. You met other women before you met her, right? Well, yeah. But okay. But what was it about her? that you saw your vision, you saw everything that your father instilled in you, the vision that you had. What was it about her that you said, I'm going to build, the Bible says a fool builds his house on the sandy land, but a wise man builds his house upon the shore and the rocks. So what was it about her that you decided to build your house on, on this rock? A godly woman to start, because I met her at church and I said, okay, that box is already checked off. I'm not gonna have to chase her uh, or chase the guys away from her. That's all that business about. I'm not worried about the other guys. And I, I told her in a heartbeat. I said, you know, hey, you mind, you mind, you're not, you're not. I ain't worried about it. I, I sleep quite well knowing that you're my woman. And I ain't worried about nobody else. The guys I used to work around, I worked in construction for years. And I used to rush home mainly for first to start with this one. And I got pictures at the house. I'm filthy, dirty, just climbed out of a hole in a construction site. And I'm standing with him, holding him over my head. And they said, what are you rushing home for, Jody? Jody going to be gone by the time we get there, bro. There's a song, Jody's got your girl and God. So <laughs> look it up. And I said, no, my toy is at home. Your toy? Yeah, my son. And then when Joy showed up, it was like, whoo, I got two of them. Yes, indeed. So I got to play with my toys. And so <laughs> God, God placed in my life a woman that I didn't have to look no further for. There it, it is. It just, it just I, I, I was done. I was done. And so, uh, oh, can I say this? That, say know, it. Verse, it might be slightly embarrassing. To, well, no, it's not. 
I was a virgin. She's it. That, that, that. Let me say this. They, they, they were both virgins when they met each other. Yes. There it is. Yes. Yes. So, Imagine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they say no children around here. But we had a, we had a wonderful time. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> um, but yes, God was in the mix of all that, starting from a young boy to when I was with my father, received, received instruction from him when I was stationed at Laurie Air Force Base with so much money in my pockets at the payphone that the guys behind me wanted to bust me upside the head because I wouldn't let go of the phone and my pants about to pull down. And I keep talking to her. And I know I'm confused. I said, I got something to tell you. I'm coming back to Los Angeles. I could get stationed here, but I'm coming, I'm coming back. I, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. And she's like, okay, why don't you tell me? No, I got to talk to you. Hold on a second. 25, 50, 75 more cents. But I got to talk to you because there's something I got to tell you when I get back to Los Angeles. So, of course, very simply, will you be my wife? She, I know she's thinking, all you do is say that over the phone. I said the first time he asked me to marry him, I was in the 10th grade. And I said, you must be crazy. I'm not marrying you. I have a question for the single guys. Go ahead. So Go what, ahead. what is it that keeps you from making, uh, moving forward? Yeah, to, to make that no, it's, stand. It's a, it's a brother there. Raise your hand. It's, it's a brother somewhere over there. What, what, what right. keeps wanna, you? What keeps you from moving forward in what perspective? Like, Just, for instance, if you see somebody you're interested in or good. somebody you... Why, why don't you make a move? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, what would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you take up a new hobby, catch up on some sleep, complete reading the book you've never had time to finish but always promised that you would? Did you know the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is by knowing what's important to you and making it a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I couldn't have become the person I am today without therapy, to be honest with you. My vulnerability and transparency were cultivated in therapy, and it served as a foundation in which the beloved Dear Future Wifey podcast was built. Now, as you know, relationships of all kinds are important to me. Therapy helps with learning positive coping skills, managing expectations of myself and others, and most importantly, establishing healthy boundaries. Ooh, boy, life is stressful, ain't it? Now, therapy is a safe space to recalibrate and recenter. Now, can I be transparent with you? Since the inception of this podcast, I've always wanted to do this right here for better help. Why? Because so many of you reach out to me seeking referrals for therapy services after each episode. My heart has been overwhelmed by the outpouring of you desiring help to show up better in life. And guess what? I believe the world is a better place with better help. It's entirely online, too. Designed to fit your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Wifey today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Wifey. Okay, where's the microphone? Huh? He's coming to get the microphone. There's a hand Where, over there. Where's the brother? Come, 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 come. Hand, yes. Come on. Come on. Come to the center. Come to the center aisle. I'm going to head to the bathroom for a minute while y'all work this out. 
Jarrell. While y'all figure it out, I'm a. Oh, you want to ask? Go ahead. What makes you? My generation, I feel like, um, honestly, and this is not, I'm not here to give a. Um, when we say your generation, what, what age are you? 34. Um, we have too much access, meaning that we could, we could, we could see a girl and find, and, and we may like her, but then we go on Instagram and we see this person, or we go on Facebook and see her, and then we lose interest because we're, we're sparked here as to where my parents, they didn't have access to the access that we have. So that's something I've been praying for myself, and I'm just honestly that's speaking good. that when I do find that right person that I don't mess it up with having too much access to uh, or availability good. to others. Look, good. Keep the microphone. Hold the microphone I mean, a couple more seconds. Where's Joe? There we go. But that's real. I like what you said. I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not running from it. You ain't running from I'm, it? I'm 30 years old. I'm not a stranger to beautiful women. That's, that's, that's just what it is. Us. That's just where we grew up. That's how it is. Um, I think the biggest issue is being able to sustain it. And I think, I know for me, I come from privilege when it comes to the love category with family. So how do we keep them knowing that we experience love in a different area than they haven't? Like how do we teach love to a person who grew up on survival? How do we talk marriage to a person who's never experienced marriage? Because I know the way I come across, sometimes it comes across like, Joe, you're very blunt. I'm like, well, I'm not leaving nothing open to interpretation. So for me, it's like, it's not the issue of going to go get at them and go talk to them. We're not running from that. We're not scared of that. But it's how do we sustain it? And I think that's where our generation, I think that's where we struggle at the most. So you feel like you have no problem shooting your shot. No. It's just a matter of you have staying power. You have staying I think power? That's the, I, I know I have staying power, but I know that my viewpoint on certain things is different because of the way I grew up. I grew so up. So you feel like you can't find someone compatible with the way you think? For sure. Yes. Because you got culture raising them, right? There so, it is. Culture says, this is what, like, for example, a young lady was talking. She was like, this is what marriage looks like to me. I said, how do you know? No, what did she say it was like? I'm not going 50-50. I don't, I'm not letting nobody go 50-50 with me. What I got, you got. That's just me. But she was saying how no 50-50, I'm never working. If I ever have to go 50-50, I don't ever need to be with the man. And I said, well, how does your parents, what what happened with your parents? She said, well, my dad was in jail. I said, so how can you get that? There it is. And I, but that was my thing. That's yeah. what I said. I said, how can you make a viewpoint of what marriage looks like to you? It's a fantasy and not exactly what it is. So how do I relay that message without coming off like a jerk? Yeah. Just being honest. That's good. I like that. Because like you said, mm. social media is raising people to have an ideology of what marriage looks like. And they've never even seen it modeled in their own homes. And they're, and they're hearing it from people that don't even have it for themselves. It's people that have these podcasts that's telling you, well, you got to have this soft life. You have to have this. And if you change it to another channel, you hear somebody says women have no power in the household. Women should shut up and listen to all this crazy stuff. And, and you look at these people. They're not even married. They, uh, they haven't even been in, in a, uh, haven't seen a healthy marriage. They haven't even had a healthy relationship. Not even like, and then you're being trained and brainwashed by people that don't know a thing about marriage. They're not going to the Bible for it. They, not, they have no accountability to the word of God. And so that's key of what you just said because I've heard that so many times uh, with um, a lot of women actually who listen to this rhetoric on social media and then say, I want a man like X, Y, Z. And then you go, where'd you get that from? 
and, and it's crazy. Or you have where these men have been brainwashed by the Kevin Samuels of the world that have, and that's why I said it was most toxic spirit. I would literally pray against spirits. So what I used to do, I'm going to tell y'all my business about my, my prayer life. What I would do is like in 2020, I would watch Kevin Samuels and I'll say it. I would watch him rise to fame. I would watch his YouTube channel go from 100,000 to 1.2 million in three months. And I said, this is crazy. But I started also hearing how the culture began to change. When I would talk to a man, they would talk so low about black women that it would grieve my spirit. And so what I end up doing, I said, you know what? It was this one lady that um, that came to my attention. She uh, was on a live with Kevin Samuels and he she was absent for um, three years. She was 42 years old. She was absent for three years. She said she had given her life to Christ and she gave her body to Christ and all that. Kevin Samuels jumping alive and said, you need to give that away. You, why would you hold it? You need to give it away. Your eggs are, are, are rotten at this point. He was talking to her so bad. And um, she was a, a former foster child. And it just hurt my heart because I, you know, I'm a licensed foster parent. And so I just got mad and I started speaking and praying and praying against this YouTube video. And I said, God, I need you to kill this spirit. And I didn't pray for him to die, but I said, I need you to kill this spirit that's infiltrating this, uh, uh, these social media streets, hurting the hearts of these women. And a couple of months later, he died. But, but, the, but the reality was, is that, and that's why I say as believers, we need to do a better job at we need to bombard the gates of hell when we see this Come foolishness on, coming. Yes. You know, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in high places, not low places, in high places. So it's, if we do our due diligence as believers, when we see this crazy toxicity in these social media streets that we need to take those weapons of warfare that are not carnal, then we start pulling down those strongholds and start warring in the spirit. And that's what I want to... Uh, beseech my brethren uh-huh, to, to, to begin to do, to begin to pray and war against this thing because it grieves my spirit. It really does because I have a lot of uh, women friends who say, Latares, do you have any brothers you can hook me up to, uh, hook me up with, any men or whatnot? And then I'll start talking, I'll start betting guys and it hurts my heart to hear that a lot of men will be like, man, why, why choose one? We can have them all. You know, like, man, I, I don't really see marriage like that. I don't really see the value in marriage. You know what I'm saying? You a simp, Latarius. You still want to be married, bro? You got 450,000 subscribers on your YouTube. Why don't you just go on a smashing spree and start having sex with everybody? You know? And I'd be like, no. Yeah, smashing spree. That's what, that's what the word of God says, smashing spree. It's in, it's in Exodus 3, 4. And so... And so it's the reality is not, it's not there. It's not. I wrote it in my Bible right there. I wrote that in mine in right. Exodus. But the reality, the reality is that I said, no, I come against that spirit because yes. at the end of the day, I don't want to take what God has gifted me with and defile it. And so thank you for asking that question. She asked that because of a singles mixers, a speed dating event that y'all just had. And she was saying, why these men ain't stepping up? You just... Your generation just don't understand that at all. But this is the, the reason I asked the question, too, because I feel like there's a breakdown in um, communication with men and women, especially certain women who were raised by certain women like me, because we taught our daughters not to be forward, not to chase after a man, not to be the first one to say, or, you know, he is supposed to 
show up. The Bible says he that findeth, not she. You know, so, and that's what we taught them. But men are like, well, women got to show me that they're interested in me first. I'm like, where did that come from? Um, I'm going to tell you where it comes from. Um, it's the same reason, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's the fear of rejection. That's what I'm about to say. And, you know, I, me growing up, uh, we, we learned how to deal with the rejection. You gonna, we used to go to the mall, if you're from Los Angeles, they call it the, 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 the Westfield Shopping Center now, but we call it the Fox Hills Mall. Me and my boys would go to the Fox Hills Mall and just go to trying to talk to as many females, trying to get numbers. You know, we in high school. And listen, if I talk to 20 girls, 19 of them say, I ain't give you my number, you know. And we, we're used to that. This generation, they can't take, they can't handle the rejection. Because everybody gets participation trophies. Because people don't win or lose anymore. Right? When people don't win and lose. They just, like you said, everybody gets participation trophies. We, we're, we're raising a, a bunch of really weak young people. Can't, can't lose nothing, can't take nothing, can't handle nothing. Listen, uh, is my daughter here? No, she's not here. Last night, I was with my 19-year-old. She's working on a project for school. And it was probably 9, 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> I said, are you going to finish this last part? I can't. I've been staring at the screen all day. She said, oh, I woke up at 10 o'clock this morning. I said, oh, 10 o'clock? What do you mean you woke up at 10 o'clock? I mean, she was acting like she was going to fall apart. It's just, you know, and, we ha and I had to remind her you ain't did nothing. <laughs> what are you talking about? Finish this project. She did. But we, we, don't, we don't demand these young people understand what rejection is. You, everybody not going to like you. Everybody not going to say yes to you. No, is not, no don't, shouldn't trigger you to jump off a bridge. No, just, okay. You know, and so, and when, now let me talk to the men talking about shooting their shot, right? Shoot one shot, not 50. Break that down, Warren. Talk about it. I'm talking about perseverance. If you, if you meet a young woman and you feel in your heart of heart, man, this is, she's for me. Just shoot, your, shoot 50 shots at the one woman. Because she might say no the first time. Listen, me and my wife were talking on the phone and I got her number. We were talking and talking and talking. She didn't know how old I was. I'm 20. You know, this is back when, you know, age really means something. I'm 20. She's 23. You know, and during that time, that <laughs> we said, oh. <laughs> yeah, I got to be a cougar. I got to be a cougar. <laughs> cougar. <laughs> We're talking on the phone, and I remember, I, I clearly remember so we had been talking for a few days and conversations going amazing. I can't believe I'm talking to this girl. That was just crazy. And so she said, how old are you? I said, 20. She said, oh. Because I always dated older guys. So I was like, oh. Much older guys. And so listen. <laughs> and so when she said, oh, like that, 
I could have been like, oh, man, this is, she done found out how old I am. Let me tell you what. I didn't care nothing about that little old she did. I just kept talking. I just kept, kept shooting my shot. Until she just kind of forgot about that. And then when I was with her, I wanted to show her. I wasn't a little 20-year-old. You know, I, I wanted to show her, yeah, I'm 20, but I done been around the world three times already. I've experienced things you ain't seen yet. So let me just come with me. Come on, come on with me. Go ahead. Come with my 20-year-old self. There it is. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? So guys, listen, if you if you feel like she's the one, just persevere. Come back. I didn't say stalk. Okay. Don't, don't. You ain't got to stalk nobody. But you can constantly let her know, listen, I I I still got my I, I still. I still think you're amazing, man. You know, maybe not today. One of these days, you're going to see me. One of these, you're going to see me one of these days. You're going to love me one of these days. You know, that kind of thing. That's what you do, man. So don't not, not shoot your shot in one direction. That's all I'm trying to say. Not I like 50. Can I, can I tell us to all remember one thing? There is one enemy of love, and that's Satan. We're always trying to figure, see if men would do this. No, if women would do this. And we ended up with the garden syndrome where Eve eats the fruit and God says Adam and he says what a woman you gave me what a snake nobody took full ownership but it was Satan all along we talking about how mad we are at Eve but it was Satan all along and when we realize that we want love and we want to meet somebody it's her if he was more if she was more but sometimes it's Satan all along blocking you from somebody that he knows is connected to your purpose I know if they get together they're gonna do damage to my kingdom so let me separate them now if I mess them up then they kids they can my kids is anointed and called let me mess Eric and Warren up now so I can have a chance at destroying Krista Wolsey and Zaya so we have to remember that is the enemy that is the Satan is the enemy of love and a lot of times we can be talking to the person but sometimes we need to say Holy Spirit reveal the spirit that's behind whatever this evil thing that is happening in my house so I can rebuke the enemy and stop fighting people and fight the devil because that spirit is just gonna go to somebody else he knows where you're broken so you leave this guy this girl you date the next person the enemy knows this spirit drives them crazy Make sure this spirit is in the next person. Just package it different. So rebuke the enemy and let the person be whole and healed by the love that you have and the love that God can use to allow you to build legacy to get to 48 years. Ooh, that was good. Jesus, that was good. Uh, you going to let me have one, Lord, more, one more second? Right, we're going to open up Q&A. Got a good 10 minutes. Q&A. Anybody got a question? Line up in the center aisle so we can just hit you one after the next. Q&A. Uh, where's that? Oh, he has a microphone. Perfect. Um, I have a question. Uh, a lot of people have said a lot of things today um, about what I like, what I don't like, you know, Instagram this and this girl and that girl. One thing I've noticed is a lot of divorces, separations, breakups happen over what I call the 20%, right? Um, really, if you think about it, there's really 80% of your relationship that's actually good. And we focus on the 20%, which is the Instagram girls, which is the, I don't like this, I don't like that. How did you guys deal with forgetting about that 20% and focusing on the 80% of your marriages that helped you get to where you are? Because a lot of us, I don't think we know how to focus on what's important good. as Go opposed ahead. to that. Warren. Uh, I would say um, it, it took time. 
because yeah, you that like you call it, that twenty percent is really just that twenty percent. Let's just call that distraction, right? And you got this eighty percent of a really good thing, and you get distracted. As a young man, I was just distracted all the time. Let me tell you. Let me let me let me put all my business in the street. When my when me and my wife got married, I was in the I went to the strip club every week, and she never said, "I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to." Just before I got married, me and my boys, we called at the office. With Friday nights, we'd go hang out at the strip club, eat wings and stuff like that. That's where I was. And when we got married, you know, she would come home from a gig or somewhere. And that's when you had to, uh, y'all remember the, the two-way pagers? She'll, <laughs> I remember one time specifically, she hit me. I said, oh, baby, I'm, a, I'm at the spot. Now, what I was not doing, I wasn't lying about where I was. I wouldn't say I was at Keith and them house. And I was really at the strip club. She knew where I was, you know. So she texted me. So I just landed. I said, I'm over at the, I'm at the spot. She drove over there. I come out and say, hey, baby, kiss you. I right, see you at home. I went back in. It wasn't until maybe two years later, about two years into our, three years into our marriage, where I said, there was a bachelor party happening. One of my friends was getting married. She said, well, I guess y'all, you going to the strip club. I said, nah, no, nah, I'm not. She said, why? I said, I, I just, I think I'm just outgrowing it. I said, plus, I just feel like you might like it better if I don't go. Tears coming down her eyes. She said, I hate that place. I hate that you go there. But she never said it. So, 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 my distraction, that 20%, I had to grow out of it. Understand what I'm saying? She didn't push me. She didn't nag me out of it. She could have did that. It, even, and she didn't know. What she didn't know, if she just said, I don't like that you go there. I probably would have just stopped going there because I, I'm, <laughs> she's much more valuable to me than me going hanging out with my boys, you know, looking at some chicks with bullet holes in their legs and stuff like that. It wasn't even, it wasn't even, you know. And knife, and knife wounds. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was just something me and my boys did a lot. But like, you know, sometimes you have to grow out of that. Let me ask this, Warren. Why didn't you say anything, Erica? My ego and my pride tell me that I'm not saying it there. It was, a, it was all the wrong reasons. It's great on his end, like, oh, she didn't bother me, but it was terrible on my end. On my end, my ego was like, okay, I got this much money, I could do this, okay. Plus, remember, it was early in the marriage, so wasn't always home, and you know what I mean? In the studio, come home, playing the video game. So I was planning my exit strategy in my mind. So that's why I was like, I, my ego was pretty bad when we got married. Like, all of my sisters, we have this very strong thing about us. Um, Shantae said she's not lying. You know what I mean? It's like, show me the game. I'll play it. You know what I mean? What's the rules? I'll follow the rules. You know what I mean? Um, which is very bad. And plus, I was, I was out and I was singing and I was, I was, I, I, that part of me was being stimulated because people are clapping for me all the time. I'm in front of audiences, right? And so I'm like, I know I'm loved. I know I look good. I know, okay, this is what you want to do? Bet. Okay. It ain't, probably ain't going to last long. So I was planning my exit strategy and I think God knew so when those tears streamed down your face what were the meaning behind those tears I didn't even have to say anything God took care of it even though I my ego was why I didn't say God took care of it I didn't have to say anything but the other, the other side of that is um, I remember having different conversations with her early on and the other side of that is it's okay to say what you feel it's not unsaved, it's not ungodly, and if something smells, 
it's okay to say it stinks because it's the truth. You know, speaking of truth, what I wish you guys would let go of is this thing, my truth. Because it's jacking you up. It really is. Talk about because it. Because <laughs> you're not concerned about the truth. You're just concerned about your truth. And your truth, most of the time, is not the truth. I hear that so much. And this, I was t- talking to some, my daughter, some, some young ladies the other day, and they were, you know, this, these things that you're, you're saying, these labels that you're putting on yourself, boss babe, and boss this, and, and you, whatever you call, stop it. Because what you're doing is you're dredging up spirits that come and rest on your life. And it keeps you from being available. It keeps you from being vulnerable. It keeps you from being the woman that you need to be. You say you want a man, but you want to be a boss babe at the same time. It don't go together. You can be a strong woman. You can be a wonderful God-fearing woman and be strong when you need to be strong. Don't waste your strongness. Let, let, the, let the man be the man. Let him be strong. You know, show your softer side. Because it's, it's attractive. And that's what guys are looking for. And my husband knows, if I need to be strong, I know how to do that. Right? But I also want to be taken care of. I want to be the weaker vessel. I want to be submissive. I love that word. You all just dropped the mic right there. Just dropped the whole mic. My God. You know, I don't really think of it like that. That's really deep, the words that we say. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when you start saying certain things, that you're putting a lot of power over that thing. Uh, So that's amazing. Any other questions before we wrap up? Come on, stand up. If you have a question, just go and just line up right there. Just one after the next. It's so good. I just want to give y'all a quick round of applause. It's amazing. Okay, so my single brothers, I have a lot of single sisters, right? And so you guys, there's a code of conduct that we each move by. Women see communication one way and men see it differently. And so women go through the thing where they're, you know, texting, DMing, and then they get ghosted. And they'll have a perception that they're in a relationship or that they're in a situationship with someone or they've gotten so far and then a guy will just vape. So I want to know if there's like a code of conduct that you might operate by as a single man or, and in in that code of conduct, is there a way that you keep your brothers accountable to like how you nurture women in the way that you might enter or exit relationships so we don't leave a lot of broken women? Yes, Lord, I'll speak to that. Um, I think once again, we're experiencing an example of Simple versus complicated. So when we hear you say code of conduct and is there a set of rules and is there something that you do, we don't operate like that. We're very clear, we're very to the point. The issue is it gets misconstrued because when, if a female gets ghosted, it's not that she'll tell her friends, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Does he like me, does he not? We're too simple for you to have questions. So you have to receive non-communication as communication. You have to, you gotta, like this is just, 
I'm sorry, but I, I just got to speak. You know, single brothers might be like, dog, <laughs> what's up? But this is, I, we, we owe this to you because we don't think about a code of conduct. We don't think about a set of rules. We don't think today I'm going to do this. And by next week, I will have her in a place in a relationship where we can go. We don't operate that way. We're very clear. If we want a pair of J's, we're getting them tonight. If we don't, wear, if we don't want the pair of J's, we're not getting them. So when you see confusion, take that as the answer. And I, did I preach it? Yeah, you preached it. You preached it. And, 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 and the word of caution, um, the Bible says, above all things, guard your heart. And so if you shouldn't find yourself getting heartbroken uh, when the relationship hasn't warranted it, when you haven't even built the foundation on it. And so sometimes what happens is you find yourself heartbroken by the fantasy that wasn't been able to be lived out. And so um, don't grant all access passes to people who only need general admission. And so they should only have gotten general admission. They don't get to go into the green room. They don't get to go to the VIP place in your heart. Leave them right there until they do the required things in order to get all access into your heart. And, and, and I just want to say one more, one more other thing. I'm the dad of a 14-year-old little girl. And I call her little girl. She don't like that no more, but she's my little girl, okay? Forever, okay? Okay? Um, what, I, what I tell her is what I'll say, too. Understand that you are to be won, you are the prize. So you don't have to go about wondering if somebody, it's like, it's like the trophy feeling insignificant because the recipient doesn't want it. You're the trophy. So anybody who obtains you, they're better for it. That's the privilege, that's the privilege that you get. You actually get to not do the work. Now when somebody is showing interest, it's okay to show back. I don't believe in playing hard to get because that, that makes things be, yeah, toxic. That, that, makes th that, that, that makes things confusing. So you don't have to play a game, but you have to understand your worth and know that you are to be sought after. You are to be sought. You are to be, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. You are to be found. You don't have to do the finding. So if someone is being unclear or which is really clarity. If it's unclear, it's clear. If it's confusion, it's clarity. If you find yourself in that situation of being confused and you don't know he hasn't communicated that, take that as, oh, you just weren't the one to win this prize. It doesn't negate your prize ship. You're still a prize, but understand, oh, better is to come. You just weren't it. That's good. That's good. So this is a question for both married and single. Um, and you guys can tweak it however you like in preparing for marriage did you know your purpose or did you find your purpose in your marriage mm. that's good married folk yeah when I got married I just wanted to sing I wouldn't I didn't have no I didn't have all that detailed information um, I was 28 when we got married I always knew that I wanted to sing and I knew that our gifts were kind of inter intertwined, I believe that God put us together for that. But was I that uh, specific and clear on how I articulated? I didn't have that 
language just yet. And so some people have the language and some people don't. And it doesn't, it's not an indication of whether your relationship will be strong because, you know, everybody will be at different stages. And I think a lot of times, especially after you're past a certain age, I think people, you know, you have more language. And so you put these stipulations on love and it becomes uncomfortable for love because you can't put love in a box. You know, you can't, you can't make love fit in the shape that you want it to fit in. It spills over and it does all kinds of things. So whether you know purpose or not, you may still be meeting the person that you're supposed to be with forever. You know what I mean? But because you so desperately don't want to get it wrong, you're like, well, let me have all these rules. And if I have all of this, then I'll know. And sometimes you just meet the person. You don't even know their name. You'd be like, there is something amazing about you or y'all see it in each other. You know what I mean? And there's this, this connection. And if you put all your rules and things in the way, sometimes it may get in the way of something wonderful, your, your trauma, your pain, your issues gets in the way of something that literally could be God ordained. So while you should find purpose in all that, um, you still have to be open to what, however the Holy Spirit wants to move. Say, Lord, I have my rules. I have my things, but Holy Spirit, you guide me. Don't let my pain guide me, not culture, not past relationships, but Holy Spirit guide me even in my dating. That's good. Uh, I, 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 amen, amen, personally, amen. I knew my purpose. Uh, you know, I knew uh, from a very, very, at a very, 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 very early age that I was going to be a musician and a songwriter and a producer. And that, at that time, uh, in my estimation, that was my purpose. I didn't know about all this pastoring and all this stuff, but at that time, and so being clear about what I was supposed to be doing, women that I, were, that I was dating at the time, if they got in the way of that, then I didn't talk to them no more. As we talked about ghosting, Oh God, I, I didn't know. <laughs> oh God. I didn't know what go, you know, that's a new thing. That's a new thing. But <laughs> now that I'm thinking about he it. Ghost is so many with people. Casper, the friendly ghost, huh? I was, I was, yeah. I mean, because I remember more than a good five, six times with five or six different women where I would, you know, just I hadn't talked to them in months, and I'd think like, where's so-and-so at? I ain't talked to her in a long time. We didn't have, you know, text back then. So, you know, I just realized, man, I hadn't talked to that person or I hadn't called them in forever. And most times it was because I didn't like the way they talked about what I did. There was a girl, I would leave to go on the road and this girl said, why are you doing this to me? Why am I going to go to work? I don't understand. What do you mean what I'm doing? You in college, like you, you're supposed to go, to, you go to school, I go, to, I go on the road, that's what I do. Why are you doing this to me? And just like that, I have lost your number. I have never, I literally, it was a year later and I was like, what ever happened to her? <laughs> and so yeah, and anything that was in the way of my purpose or like females that would come to the studio and hang out and I'm trying to work, that, I, I love the company, but if I got an idea, and you over there talking too much? Whoo, that would, I would never invite you back. You, I just lost all interest. So anything that was in the way of my purpose, because I knew what it was, I'd kind of like get rid of that. Can I so from a single perspective, this is what I did. And I'll just use this one example last year. I dated this woman for a short spell. One of my main purpose is a foster home, Kingdom Royale. So I'm gonna build this foster home, this luxury mansion for foster boys. Well, I dated this girl. She had the audacity to tell me because uh, I adopted my nephew at seven. He's 15 and I adopted 
uh, my son Armani at 16 from foster care. He's 20. She said, why would you even adopt somebody else's problems? Now, how y'all think that worked out with me and her? How y'all, how y'all, how y'all, how, how long do you think that relationship worked? So at the end of the day, and I said, did you realize what you just said? You made this so easy for me to not talk to you no more. She's like, what you talking about? I said, you made this so easy. I don't have to pray and ask God nothing. I ain't got to fast. I ain't got to seek the will of God. I said, you are, it's where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And you are in the way of my purpose. You just had the audacity to question why I adopted the sons that I call sons. And you know my passion and mandate is to give, to be a father to the fatherless, to open up this boy's home, to give these young kings an opportunity to be loved. And you just told me that you couldn't be the woman in position for that. And so that's when you know your purpose. So when you get at a certain age, you know, when you meet people at certain ages, some people may get married at 18, 19. You may not quite know what that is yet. You may not have found your groove. People find it at different stages. But at 55, I, I mean, at 45, I know what my purpose is. I know what God wants me to do. And so, yes, when I'm vetting women, because dating is data collection, when I'm dating women, I literally listen to them and see how are they aligned with my purpose. And like Warren was saying, if you're insecure, if you come in my life, you like, I, I take pictures with everybody. If I'm sitting in the lobby, if I had a woman I was dating, she's like, why are you taking a picture? With? I was like, you, you baby, you, you made it easy for me again. You, you made it easy. You just made it easy. I can't, I can't date you because you're going to make what I enjoy doing now feel like a burden. And I got to thrive in what God has gifted me to do. And I will always make sure that you feel secure because I will always inundate you with words of affirmation. I will always esteem you. I will always build you up. I will always make every woman know that she can't hold a candle to you, that you are my priority. But you can't also let your insecurity override my purpose. Just want to add something to that. Um, my son was talking about uh, purpose, the word commitment popped in my head. Uh, as I told you before, I purpose to be a husband, uh, trained by my dad about being a man and so forth when I went to New York. And so my purpose was once I found her, it was a wrap. That was it. Uh, when I said I was a virgin, it wasn't for lack of trying. In New York, I had oh so many times that, you know, <laughs> but that's a different story. But God knew what he was doing because he extracted me from New York where no telling what would happen to me. But as far as fatherhoods and so forth, because the women in New York, anybody ever been there, there's, they're everywhere. I didn't, have to, I didn't even have to say nothing. Women got up and said, ooh, I'm taking you out. Okay, you know, in LA, that didn't happen. I didn't have a car, no money and all this, but this, this is a whole different story. But my purpose when I got back here, I saw her and that was the end of it. End of story, I found my wife. But the word commitment comes up. I'm, and I said this, and I, I've told my daughter, we had conversations about men committing themselves. In this day and age, men, uh, can I roll back the clock a little bit in, in Ebony Magazine and Jet Magazine, way back in the day, they had something about uh, black men uh, being outnumbered by 25 to one or something like that. Yep. Well, now it's like 25,000, know, 2.5 million to one. So when men don't have to commit because, and it's in cross to where it used to be I was taught a fine brown frame. Okay. Sorry, black woman. This is all my dad said is a fine brown frame, son. That's, that's what Campbell men go after. I said, okay. And so that's, I got there. But 
Nowadays, I found out, and you know, because of my age, I listen to 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, so forth. They're, white women are chasing black men like, you know, it's sport, and you know, I got me one, Asians, and all downstream. So a black man's like, hey, I got, I commit, why? You know, uh, all you gotta do is say the wrong thing, like my son was saying, say, say even, think you're saying the wrong thing, I'm moving on. I don't have to commit, why commit? But when a brother that is seeking his companion, I'm looking for him, he's looking for his wife. He's looking for his wife. So once you found her, you look past all that other stuff. So the word commitment's got to be there. It's got to be there. Good, thank you. Hi, hello, good evening. Thank you for opening the church up to this and thank you for the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Hold on, before you say this, I don't want to go past this. I want to normalize the fact that y'all were virgins when y'all got married. I want to normalize that because at the end of the day, you was like, I know this may be embarrassing. No, it's not. That's what God intended. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's God's way. And so I want to normalize that because it may be some young people that watch this episode and I don't want them feeling embarrassed because they honored God with their bodies. I want them to say, you know what? If I can watch them and that's what that will get me 48 years of marriage, I'm going to sacrifice right now so that I can inherit the blessings of the Lord. Okay, I'm jumping to my question. Um, so this year I turned 28 and um, God told me that this was the year of love abundance. And I didn't know what it meant. And he revealed to me that the reason why I'm not receiving love abundantly is because I'm not giving it. And I am a believer in guarding my heart. I'm a <laughs> warrior with my heart. Um, but, and I realize I've guarded my heart to the point where I've guarded it from myself. There's things that I'm not allowing myself to experience. Um, and I wanted you all to kind of touch on what it looked like for you to love yourself in abundance to the point you were okay with overflowing on someone else. Let, that, let me ask you this. What are you not allowing yourself to experience? Um, romantic love specifically from a man. Um, like I think I have love in a lot of other places, but I think believing that a man will love me in the way that God loves me, it's hard to, it's hard for me to grasp. Let me ask you this. Do you have guys that are trying to, uh, shoot their shot at you, reach out to you, slide in your DMs, people that you meet that try to talk to you and you push them away? Um, according to my therapist, yes, that is a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I push the, I guess I have a wall up. Like I will let them get to know me to an extent. And at a certain point, I kind of like. To what extent? Uh, Do you go on a date with them? Well, <laughs> hi, okay. <laughs> Hello, okay. So yes, now I'm going on dates, but I'm the type of person that I'm so vision oriented that like, on the date, I could, it's like I run through everything. I'm like, this is why it won't work. We've already broken up. I fell out of love with you. Like that whole, yeah. So it's a spirit of self-sabotage. Okay. And so, so it, that's, not, that's not even so much of self-love. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's a, ah, dated a woman like this last year. Jesus. So my healing from heartbreak, that's why I'm breaking you down like that. You saw my episode. You saw yourself when you saw that episode, didn't you? Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, there you go. I see you. Yeah. No. So what happened is that what happens is she was so afraid to be loved that she sabotaged love. And it's this fear. It's this childhood brokenness that she has gone through. And when you can go on a date and pick apart the next 
the, the whole thing. He, all he said was, hello, this ain't going to work because this, 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 this. That, that, that is a problem of self-sabotage because you're afraid that it will work. See, a lot of times people aren't afraid that it don't work more than they're afraid of success. Because if it's successful, then you have to show up in a way you've never showed up before. Yes, exactly. Oh, come on. So that's yeah. what happens is that you say, if this relationship is healthy, that means that am I healthy? One thing I love about what Shantae said, she said, listen, I had to work on me. Because at the end of the day, if, if I do meet a healthy individual and I'm so quick to run, that you're going to manifest the very thing that you say you don't want because you're going to be the person pushing them away. And so I don't think it's so much about self-love. It's about the fact that you deserve love. And so you deserve love. You deserve. Did you see um, a relationship fall apart? Was your parents together or did you did you witness a healthy relationship? Um, my parents were together. They're still together. Um, it's not the relationship I would want, um, but I understand that relationship, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. relationship is hard, and I also don't think they were set up for success, right? I'm like first-generation Nigerian, so the dynamic of their relationship, they didn't really date. Yeah. Um, they didn't really get to know each other. And, um, yeah, so I haven't really seen what it looks like to show someone all of you. Um, and also, I feel like the love that I know that I deserve is going to require the best version of me. And I, it's scary because I'm still trying to... I'm still battling with what that looks like. So, can I speak to her for a second? Talk to her. Um, I said I'm a closed book, and I'm on this podcast now. And now you didn't came up, and now yeah. I gotta talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I identify with a lot of what you're saying, and it's not because we didn't see a relationship. Nope, saw one. Mom and dad, great. It's not because too many of them in the past hadn't worked out. Somewhere along the line. I'll say if it's if if we identify at the same place, we gave too much attention to what ifs opposed to why not. What if it doesn't work out? What if I do have to show up? What what if so we're already in the future and we're not saying why not me? Why not it work? But but self-sabotage doesn't just show up in the area of relationship. If you're like me, it probably shows up in some other yeah, areas yeah. and you say what if oh my goodness before I go to an audition I've already seen like the the, the Oscars when it's nominated and, and 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 it's like you know I'm I'm I'm, all, I'm already too far ahead yeah. yes envision things but not to the point of your detriment so we have to get to a point what's your name Tiffany Tiffany I'm Jarrell nice to meet you God to bless you. you Tiffany it has to we have to get to a point where we let go of the idea of what if it doesn't now, granted, in the, in the area of relationship, if you've met someone who checks your marks, because sometimes it's Holy Ghost protection. You know, sometimes it's not. The, the Lord said to me a long time ago, it was not that you're being kept out of some things. It's, been you, it's, it's that you're being kept from a lot of things. Okay. And we have to know the distinction. So if you've been kept from things, amen, praise God. But if you have somebody in front of you who is willing to do patience, kindness, keeping no records of wrongs, if you see potential in a person and you have peace about it, if, if you can't move forward from that, that, that's the work that has to be done. But you gotta give attention to why not, opposed to what if not. Tiffany, thank you so much. And it's interesting because the woman that I was dating last year was Nigerian too, so that's, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's real interesting. He, 
don't know. It's interesting. I'm gonna trip you when you walk outside. Uh -oh. but it's okay. <laughs> we got we got two no, more questions. And Assistant Green, that should be the last question. Last one. Here we go. Good evening, everybody. Um, my question is this: When you clearly know your purpose, I pastor. I was raised and groomed to be a pastor. I was a bishop's daughter my entire life. I saw good relationships. My parents were married 43 and a half years. I saw my father drink in the vision of my mother when he took his last breath. But that wasn't my story. What do you do and what would your advice be to those singles whose faith is waning in the waiting? No, so you my buddy. I want you to unpack. Let people know what that story was that you went through in the last couple of years. In the last few years, I've buried two children. Um, I pastor in Los Angeles County. I've been married twice because both of them didn't accept the call of God on my life. Say, so, you know what? God called you for that. That's not our story. And so when you're very clear about your purpose, and I wasn't willing to be Jonah and say, I'm putting down my pulpit. I have to stand no matter if you stay or you walk away. What do you do when your faith is waning in the waiting? Because very much my mother raised me just like you talked, you talked about. You're not fast. He'll find you. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. I know what to preach. I know how to raise my daughter. But what do you do in the spaces when faith is waning in the waiting space? I would say, after you've done all that you can do, stand. Because our timing is not God's timing. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And there's a, a, something popular that people say today, but I really believe it. If God brought you to it, Amen. he's going to take you through it. And God is not fickle-minded he has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that call that is on your life, that work that he started in you, he will complete it. Right? And so your trust and your faith is in God. His timing. His way. And I'm just going to encourage you to hold on. Hold on. And nine times out of ten, at the point of your weakest moment... That's the time to hold on even stronger because usually that's where the enemy fights us the most, right before the blessing. Always, right before the blessing. You're walking down the street and your blessing is around the corner and you're about to turn that corner. And that's when you feel at your weakest. And so hold on to God's unchanging hand. He's never failed you. He never will. We say it all the time. We say it all the time. We say it all the time. So now it's time to apply it. What is your name? Rochelle Hightower. Rochelle? Rochelle. Rochelle. Rochelle, I'm going to personally remember you in prayer. Thank you. I'm going to pray you. for you. And let's all pray for her. Pray for her encouragement. I speak joy into your spirit. I speak life. I speak love. I release that thing that is making you feel this way in the name of Jesus. Yes. Power of the spirit of the living God. Oh God, surround her in the name of Jesus. I ask that you send ministry angels to minister to her. Peace 
and joy and love and fulfillment, Lord God. Order her footsteps in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I thank you. That person that he that is finding, he that will find, let him come and appear to her, Lord God, and show himself strong in the name of Jesus. And we believe that he will be exactly what she needs, exactly what you have planned for her, and she, he will fit in the plan that you have for her. We thank you, Lord God, for her ministry. Oh, God, anoint her as never before in the name of Jesus. Use her, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. Let her heart be light in the name of Jesus. Give her joy, Lord God, unspeakable joy and full of glory, Lord God. Give her peace that passes all understanding. Let her wake up in the morning with a newfound joy in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the victory that's reigning in her life right now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Um, I went to uh, like non-Christian podcasts and I asked them this question. So I just want to hear you guys. I wanted to know what, when do you think the proper time is to discuss that you're waiting to have sex until you get married? Because they said like straight up at the door because most people don't practice it but I feel like even if I was we wouldn't be talking about it straight out the door so that just feels super invasive but I want to know what all you guys think. So I'll answer that. Um, I'm 37 years old and I'm going to say this not just so you can understand I've been waiting the whole 37 years so okay. we're cool. Congratulations. Yeah it's not even a congratulations but it's more so um, I think you need to make sure that you are talking to people that have the same mind frame as you. Um, for me, and everybody may not be this way, I come out the gate letting you know. The reason why is because I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my love. I don't want to waste my, waste my emotions. And what I have found is that I find more people who have that same mindset so we don't have to get in a tussle about things God said do, right? Because God said that we are supposed to wait until marriage, and sometimes we make it, sometimes we don't. But if you are not around people or in a circle of people or a community of people who have that mindset, you're going to always struggle. And I'm not even talking about outside the church. I'm talking about inside the church, right? And so with those conversations, um, I have them right out the gate. And even in times that I've waited, it's been a few weeks. Because when I see the, the convert, because you have a few conversations, hopefully, before it gets there, and you can kind of tell in the conversation where they at. So I listen, like, oh, okay, what are you going to say? Oh, okay, this is how he thinks about this. Oh, okay, this is what he's used to, maybe normal, you know, other women doing and stuff like that. So I come out the gate saying that because you can filter through so much. You can filter through so much more if you just are honest about that. Because what will happen is, you will get into a situation where you're pressured into doing that because now you have feelings. Now you like them more. Now you want to, you know what I mean? And so you will get into situations where it's like, ah, God, can I just, you know, can I just, can I just do this a little bit? Can we just do this a little piece of that? Can we just, you know, can we do oral, not the whole thing? Like, can I say that? Yeah. So, you know, you'll try to do inch by inch, the, the tip in, like you'll do all of, you'll ask your questions. Sorry, but um, you, you, I'm telling you it, if we could just be honest, you know, honest, if we could just be honest. Um, but you will, if you don't pay attention to those conversations and what he's saying in the conversation or what she's saying, and you don't set that standard ahead of time, if you, you if that person gets you, you know, gets you ready, you be ready, then you're going to, the readiness is going to meet preparation and it's going to, it's going to be an explosion. So have the conversation and listen to what they're saying. 
Don't be so, oh my God, I love you so much. I like you so much that you miss that. And don't be afraid to have the conversation. It will cause you a lot of rejection. I said earlier, I have had a lot of rejection. Why? Because I'm keeping myself. Why? Because I know my identity in Christ. Not because I'm better than anybody else. Not because I want to use it as some type of badge. But I know my identity in Jesus Christ. And my identity in him is set. And because of my identity in Christ, I live my life a certain way. And my body belongs to him, not you. So, Good. Good. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, One of the things, my son was looking for a job. And they said, hey, listen, these are the hours he was like, well, I don't want to work, work those hours that they gave. And it was like, OK. And so it's as simple as that, is that if this is what your 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 guidelines are, your foundation, your guiding principles. Why wait to get that out there? You don't want to, again, get your feelings all caught up with something that you're not in alignment with anyway. Why so does thank you, you keep so saying it feels evasive? Why? Got it, got it, got it. Well, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. I think those are the things that cause the guys to be like Jarrell. Like, yeah, first conversation, I'm not ever calling her back. Like, if you go, I'm not having sex, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, a white, and he's just trying to have the chips and guacamole. He's like, <laughs> yeah, guacamole. like, yeah, Never. yeah. Listen, I, I think, I, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, of course, like, not making it weird. Like, hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I do not have sex. You know, that's, that's different. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I'm an advocate of saying the uncomfortable stuff sooner and sooner because the purpose is you become a little desensitized as time goes on. It's not even for the other person. You will start letting guards down if you go in knowing I don't do this, I do this, I do this. But then you start liking the personality of this person and y'all, y'all talk often. And y'all, y'all like each other. So then you said, do I do this stuff? You start questioning yourself. So I think the standards have to be set, what you do, what you don't do, and that plays into being equally yoked. You have to have the conversation so you can find out, are you even equally yoked with me? Yeah. Because if not, t- f- find your exit. But I'm, 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 a, I'm a clear, yes, I'm a clear advocate of having conversations about what you do, what you into, what you like to do, what you don't do earlier and earlier. Yeah. Good. Good. Listen, uh, as we get ready to wrap up, did y'all enjoy this episode? Did y'all enjoy this event? What I want to do real quick is for my the listeners and subscribers of the Dear Future Wifey podcast, I want to give Cali Worship Center, I was talking to Pastor Warren and I said, you know what? I want to bless your media department. Um, I want to bless and upgrade the equipment here. I asked him for the total amount of um, the the equipment. He said it's about $17,000, right? And so I plan to seed in today's, where the morning service of $1,000. And so I want all my listeners, Lit Fam, I want you to sow a seed. Uh, I'm going to put a link in the description um, on how you can contribute. Uh, what's the best way for them to go from the push cash app? got cash app they got push pay that's how I, uh i made my donation through push pay either way and so it'll all be the information in the description let's bless cali worship center with upgraded equipment for the christmas holidays so thank y'all so much thank y'all for having me here at the dear future wifey podcast live at cali worship center y'all thank y'all ladarian 
thrusted suddenly into child protective services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy, with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted, yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care, should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm LaTaris R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. 
Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.